Well, Giovanni Contanzaro is back. And this time he has questions. Giovanni is a young guy who I guess you might say that I'm somewhat of a mentor to, although I don't like to say that because that makes me sound old. And But I got to say this. I am always impressed with my discussions with Giovanni because this is a guy that if ever there were a young person, and by young person, I mean in their 20s, getting really rolling in adulthood, trying to meticulously plan out who they want to be, what they want to be, it is Giovanni. He lives the improve always and always lifestyle, and I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Thanks for joining us. All right, I have a question. Do you want to be better? I mean it, just a better human being. Do you want to grow your mind in such a way that you are willing to take chances that you haven't taken before? Are you tired of not reaching your fitness and nutrition goals? Have you always wanted to be one of those people that read like a book a week, but you just couldn't figure out how to get there? Do you have some habit that has so much power over your life that it is becoming a roadblock into becoming the absolute best version of yourself? Well, to that end, I have created the Vitruvian Lab. So you know my motto is to improve always in all ways. I want to have improved mental health, emotional health, relational health, nutrition, physical health, all of it. I constantly look at ways to reach 1% improvement daily because I know that if I can do that, that compounded, that is a 37x improvement year over year. So I want you to join me in that endeavor by checking out the Vitruvian Lab. This is my online training platform. You can do that by going to jasonrightnow.com forward slash courses or just hit that courses link and you will check out the entire catalog of courses which I'm going to constantly be updating. So go out to jasonrightnow.com, hit courses and check out the Vitruvian Lab. I am going to add courses and free content and anything that I can do to help you in your endeavor to create the absolute best version of yourself. I'm here for it. I'm here for you. But first, enjoy this episode of the Jason Wright Show. Thanks for joining me. All right, Giovanni, you're back, dude. You're back on the Jason Wright Show, round two. How you been, dude? I'm doing well. It's uh, I can't believe it's been 363 days to the date, I think. I think Monday will be one full year since we talked. Is that right? God, that's crazy, man. I think so. Well, I'm, yeah. glad to, I'm glad to have you back on the Jason Wright Show. All right, so you're back on the show. What has changed since I last talked to you? What's going on in your world? Well, um, I could start off by saying about 20 pounds lighter. Attaboy. Uh, we got a new got a new job. Um, I be, uh, got baptized in January. Um, I was Catholic my whole life, but I became I uh, I went non denominational. My my mother and my brother helped me through that. So. Um, so now I've, I've just recently been rebaptized. I'm uh, really glad I did that. Um, a lot of a lot of dates, <laughs> a lot of dates to say the least. Um, and just uh, kept up with the gym journey. But other than that, and a new car. But other than that, that's that's about it. Just been working. Holy cow, man! That's a lot. I wasn't <laughs> expecting all that. That's like, I mean, <laughs> you're not even the same dude as, that I talked to uh, a year ago. That's nuts. Yeah, so it feels like that, but um, I'm just, you know, rolling with life. That's uh, halfway to 30 now. So Okay, well, I tell you what, uh, I got to ask you about the faith journey. So 
tell me a little bit about that. Like, when did you decide to, you know, become one of us just, uh, just a, a lame old Protestants? And obviously I say that tongue, tongue in cheek, <laughs> but, uh, so how, how did that happen, ma'am? So my, my mother around four or five years ago, she, she began her journey and, uh, you know, growing up Catholic her whole life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going to Catholic school and uh, being raised by Italian parents and, you know, Catholic Catholic parents, you know, that was that's the way on Long Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she made that transition. I didn't understand it yet, um, but then my brother made that jump as well. Um, and, you know, we I started to question things as well and, and decided, you know, this is probably the best fit for me as well. And I and I was so glad I did it. I, I got baptized in Fort Worth just three days before the, the session started down here at the Capitol uh, right before um, – right before things took off. And I'm really glad I did. Um, I've, I've, I've made a lot of strides in being closer to God um, with that. And I'm just, I'm really happy I did it. Um, so very, very glad I was able to do that on my own and make that jump. Oh, well, very good. Well, congratulations, brother. And, uh, and so, and you're 20 pounds lighter. So what has, tell me about that fitness journey. What are you doing to, yeah. uh, to keep the weight in check? What's that look like? So I, I, I remember, when we talked about it, I, I was around 195 pounds and, and I was, I was feeling real good. I had the routine going three or four months at that time. And I said, man, I hope the next time we talk that I'm, I've kept this up. Yep. Uh, I was really nervous that, you know, at any point something could happen. I could get hurt or, um, I'll go through something. I'll, I'll take three days off and I'll never go back. And I've always been nervous about that. Well, I've, uh, I've still kept up that, that morning routine and, and throughout the summer. And by the way, on the podcast today, I want to thank the people that helped me that I, I was talking about last podcast that I didn't, I didn't say their names because I didn't know if I could name drop them or not. So I'll start name dropping a little bit. Go for but, it. But uh, last summer, a uh, friend of mine, Jake, uh, he, he and I would go to Zilker every Saturday morning at uh, 8 or 9 a.m. right before our, our push day at the gym. Uh, our, yeah, our push day. And we would run two miles at Zilker. And uh, he helped push through that. You know, he would help me with some meal ideas. So shout out to Jake. Um, and I can't believe I just kept up with this 4.30 waking up in the morning. I remember what you said on the last podcast. Isn't it magical? You said, isn't it magical to wake up that early? And I, I had to push myself to take a rest day on Thursdays. So uh, that's my rest day now. And I wake up at 6.30 and I feel like, oh, I could have did so much. But I was like, it's okay. We'll be back tomorrow. So uh, down to 179, uh, 33 waist. That was around a 38, 39 waist when I last spoke to you. Wow. And I had to go shopping quite a, quite a bit. Yeah, it's a fun shopping trip, though, right? So, yeah. What about you? Are you are you making any uh, new strides in the fitness? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I've the, I guess the biggest change since we last spoke is I've probably added about five pounds of lean body mass, which I didn't really want to do. I mean, it, as I'm getting older, I don't want to be like a I I put muscle on pretty easily, and a lot of people that's what they want. That's their desire. And believe it or not, I don't I always, I tell people, I was just telling my, my buddy Gus Vickery, I'm like, I want to have the physique of fight club, Brad Pitt, but a lot of people say that. Well, that's like, to me, that is the ideal, but the bottom line is I'm not built like, um, Brad Pitt. So it's just never going to happen for me. I'm more like Russell Crowe, <laughs> um, as Maximus, you know, gladiator, Russell Crowe, kind of bulky, not in, endomorph, <laughs> you know? And so I guess the biggest change is I've added a lot of, um, I say a lot, I've added about five pounds of lean body mass. And so that's been a good, a good change. And it's basically come from, you know, I was really, really hardcore 
uh, all cardio because like so many other people, I thought that as I got older, as long as I was really crushing cardio and just kind of doing the basics on, um, on resistance training, that cardio was key. And then everyone that I've talked to, and as, as the podcast has grown and I've become more and more just entrenched in health and wellness and human physiology, as well as just physical fitness in general, uh, and especially exercising for longevity, then I've realized most of the physicians will tell you, you know, as you get older, lean body mass is the critical element. And so therefore resistance training is huge for bone density and all that. And so that's probably the biggest change. Everything else is pretty much the same. And I, I did that through, I use the Ladder app, which Ladder, for those who don't know, is an Austin-based, where you are, an Austin-based company that, um, and Ben Greenfield, that, like, so it's like a it's like an app and you can choose the team that you want to be on. And so it's mostly well-known trainers uh, that have, uh, have a, an audience already where they can go work out with that personality and do their prescribed workouts. So I'm on Team Boundless, which is led by Ben Greenfield, who I have followed for some time. And that's what I use. And so that's my resistance training and do my pull-ups every day. I don't know if we talked about that last time. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I've seen the videos that you yeah, have. I'm obsessive mm -hmm. about being able to do a certain number of pull-ups every single day. I think it's great for shoulder strength and is just as well as overall, uh, and grip strength, which is really important as you get older. So, uh, mm -hmm. so that's about it, man. That's, that's kind of what I'm doing. Everything else, the VO2 max is still staying over 50, uh, you know, bobbing around, you know, 10 to 14% uh, body fat, which is my target. I want to stay, my, my, my perfect target for me, I like is to around 10 to 12%. Um, so keeping that in check, blood work is great and about to start a really cool project. I don't know if you've heard me talk about this or not, because I haven't said much on the podcast. I've just kind of mentioned it every once in a while, but Gus Vickery, who is an integrative health specialist that uh, th was on the podcast here recently talking about semaglutide and Ozempic. And for those who haven't heard that, it's a great conversation. That That's the 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 miracle drug right now that everybody's using to lose a lot of weight. But there, if you would really want to know in-depth detail about what that drug is and what it does, uh, Gus and I talk about that. But I'm, I, I have um, basically recruited him to work with me on putting off my biological, not chronological, I can't do anything about my chronological 50th birthday, but my biological 50th birthday as long as possible. So I want to try to go as long as I can biologically not aging to 50. So that's, that's kind of my, that's my fitness goal right now is just to keep, to stay biologically under 50 for as long as I possibly can. Well, that sounds uh, that sounds exciting. I'm, I would love to try that out. Yeah, when you get that figured out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's and I will. I'm going to be sharing it. I'm going to share the the whole process. We're going to be creating a lot of content on it because I want people to. I want to help people. You know, obviously, I've got the Vitruvian Lab, my my app, and the training, and I want to do more and more of longevity training for folks. And I think this will be a good way. It's not some. I'm not a believer in doing like fad diets and crap that you can't do for the long term. Mm -hmm. This is literally going to be just like managing micronutrients and doing the exact right exercise for that the chronological age I am that will coincide with the longevity piece of it. So, and we want to share that with as many people as possible. That's one of the things that's cool about Gus is as a physician and he's located out in Nashville, North Carolina, and, um, I'll go out there actually for a lot of this work. And 
he's really interested in, I mean, he's a physician, that's his, that's his vocation, so that's how he feeds his family. But at the same time, he really wants to help as many people as possible. And both of us together, man, one of the things that we were really trying to do is figure out ways to help people that don't have the money to hire to be become one of Peter Atia's uh, patients. I mean, if you want to work with Peter Atia, it's like a hundred grand a year. You know, if you want to ha- hire Ben Greenfield as your personal trainer, then it's just thousands of dollars because these guys, and it's understandable, it's not knocking them. I mean, it's right. It's just, it's the bandwidth that they have. And it's the only way that they can scale their time. So it's very expensive. So Gus and I are really trying to figure out a way to bring some of these longevity protocols to uh, kind of more of the every man that's not just this, you know, multimillionaire uh, person that can afford whatever the best healthcare there is. We're, so that's what we're trying. So I'm basically kind of like Gus's guinea pig, and we're we're working together on this. So that's that's a long way of saying what I've got going on, man. Yeah, no, it's great to hear. That's you got stuff in the works. I'm excited to see what you got coming. All right, all right. So, so. I asked you to bring some questions to the podcast today. And by the way, mm-hmm. I got to commend you. So, and this is what's so funny about a podcast. So I'll interview people that have like half a million followers on Instagram and, you know, they're crushing it with like millions of downloads on their podcasts and they're New York Times bestselling authors. And those podcasts do well. The downloads are, are, are banging and it's great. But your podcast, our conversation, man, a lot of people tuned into that. The downloads were pretty smoking on that. That was one of the better performing podcasts of, uh, of really? last year. Yes, it was. It's so weird. And I think it's because I think people like to... They like to hear just normal dudes kind of riff on stuff that's not so planned. I mean, you and I haven't planned anything today other than I just said bring some questions. Um, and so, yeah, and yours was really, really good as far as um, how it performed. And then whenever I bring Rylan and or Abby on the show, my daughters, mm-hmm. those people always, I told the girls that people like to hear me talk to you guys. So they're going to, I've talked them into coming back on the show here pretty soon to talk about some, some movies. Uh, Rylan was busting my chops this week. She said the blue started texting me saying that she was laughing about movies that I would let them watch as children versus the movies that I would not let them watch and how it just didn't make any sense. And so we were really laughing about that. The three of us got into a group chat and they were just both hammering me on yeah dad we wanted to see this you wouldn't let us watch spongebob but you would let us watch 300 (laughs) and i'm like well yeah i mean you never know when you might have to defend your nation against a persian god king and so therefore i thought you should see this building characters i was preparing you for life and spongebob yeah there's nothing there's nothing good there so um so anyway so so we're gonna get on and we're gonna talk about that here pretty soon i think we're gonna record it sometime this week so anyway so all right, dude, we'll, we'll bring it. Let's answer some questions. So, all right, so I got one for you. So I've been tackling with this existential, um, this existential word about uh, fathomability. Oh, um, okay. The ability of the human mind to, to grasp large numbers, mm-hmm. long, big amounts of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm shocked every time. I can't ever grasp and wrap my mind around it. So I'll give you an example. If I was to burn you with a pot of water with a thousand degrees or a million degrees, you're not going to know the difference of how hot one is compared to the other. You're just going to say they're insanely hot. They're both going to kill me. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's like when we talk about space, I like, I like learning about astronomy. Uh, these distances, the closest star to us, I think it's Proxima Centauri. It's about four light years away. That sounds like nothing. 
Well, it's around 19,000 years of yep. travel. Yep. So as it sounds out of our reach, can we really conceptualize 19,000 years? How far back is 19,000 years in human history? That's past, that's about an ice age and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's just that, that concept really, it aligns with me in terms of the existential. And I think that really applies in two fields. And I know one you can relate to because you are married. It, re it relates to the field of marriage and serving prison time. And I think that two people, two, two things mm. that we can't really tackle in our minds, you know, I, I, in two cases in particular, two core cases, then we can get to the marriage part. Really, they tack, I tackle with the, the fathomability of this. So Cameron uh, Heron, I believe he was an 18-year-old kid in Florida who uh, drag raced 162 miles an hour, killed a mother and their, uh, the child uh, oh in the middle of the street in Florida. He was in court, and this was a famous case, I believe, because the child, because the 18-year-old Cameron, uh, he was going viral on TikTok because he, he uh, apparently he was uh, attractive to girls and he had really nice eyes or something. And it was COVID, so all you could see was, you know, n nothing below the mask. And he gets read his sentence after the judge reads, you know, why says why he gave him this sentence. And he gives him a sentence on each count for killing the child and killing the mother. So he gets read the nine years at first for killing the child and he doesn't react. So he's 18. He figures, okay, I'm t I'll be 27 when I'm out, if this is it. But then the judge reads the next sentence. Mm -hmm. He gets 18 years on top of the nine for killing the mother. Mm -hmm. So he's now got 27 years total. And as soon as he hears 18 and that it's consecutive and not concurrent, his eyes blow up. Mm -hmm. And I think, it finally hit him. Mm. And just like with marriage, you know, you could say we throw around the word forever a lot mm -hmm. with pop songs and, you know, romance songs and movies. I want to be with you forever. But can we really grasp how long 30 years is with the same person? Mm -hmm. 27 years, five years, you know, these are these are big numbers. And I know forever it sounds like infinity, but, you know, we don't really conceptualize that either. I want to get your take on that. What What do you think about you know big numbers like that and long distances of time? Because you are married, you know, you committed forever to one person. Mm -hmm. What is that? What do you get from what I was just saying there? Because that I tackle with, I, I I find myself tackling with that concept a lot. Dude, that, there's a lot there, and mm -hmm. I've got a lot of thoughts on it. For example, okay, at the very micro level, here's one of the things that I think about it, to contextualize it. I'm like. Lying in bed and I've got two minutes before I have to get out of bed and it's really feeling good. The temperature's perfect. You know, my, my, uh, my Uller, my chili, my chili pad is just, it's just, I mean, dialed in and all of a sudden in two minutes, I have to get up. That two minutes seems like a breath. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm doing a zone five workout my heart rate is screaming. FTP is somewhere around 350 to 400. That two minutes seems like an eternity. So first of all, I think that it's relative to where you are in the time-space continuum. So there's one, there's one small aspect of it. Two, here's another thing I think about as it relates to just kind of broadening it out a little bit, getting closer, going further from the micro to the macro. I'm watching this right now in real time, Giovanni, and those of you out there who are listening that are around my age at the midpoint of life, you'll probably agree with me. What you think is 
a chasm of time, Giovanni. When you get my age, you realize it is a vapor. It's just like a snap of a finger. And here's one of the things that brings it to me. So I've been in Tyler now 20 years this July. All right. And the building that I bought, whenever I bought my first company here, I put the building on a 20-year note. Now, I've since sold the company and sold the building as well. I remember at the time when I bought it, I was 28, so I'm closer to your age at that time. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I don't want to wait till I'm 48 to get this thing paid off. I got to figure out a way to get this thing paid off quicker. I mean, that's just ridiculous. There's no way I'm going to hold this asset for that long. I'm like, God, 48, come on. (laughs) Now that I'm 48 and I'm realizing, had I still owned that building, and I would be this age I am right now and have that now almost million dollar asset paid free and clear. I'm like, God, that was so quick. That was nothing because I still feel because now because at your age, 48, someone my age, old enough to be your father, technically, I'd have been a really young, unbelievably, you know, spry <laughs> father. But nevertheless, um, you know, then at your age, you're like, man, that's way off. So I do think there is obviously there's both context. I think the first description I gave was more of a contextual deal, because I think whether you're 48 or 28, the two minutes left in bed versus the two minutes in a zone five, I don't care what age you are, that we can, that's contextual. I think mm-hmm. that the other becomes relative because the longer you're on this earth, one, the more you appreciate time. I think that's why people like me, I say this every freaking year. Which, by the way, sidebar, I've started having these recurring dreams that all of a sudden Christmas is here. Christmas is a very, um, it's kind of a, a marker for me in life. There's just something about Christmas. I love Christmas. It's really special to me. Always has been. It's special to the girls and I. And it's also just kind of, I kind of wrap my whole, I, I really place a whole lot of, whether it was a good year or bad year, based on how I'm doing at Christmas. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, I think it's like a, you, you look back and you're like, was this year good? Yeah. And, and am, am how I, I going to get ready for the next year? And am I able to really soak up this time of year or am I still worried about a bunch of crap? during the year. So it's taking away from my joy of Christmas. And so I started having this recurring dream. But anyway, around Christmas every year, I start to say, oh my gosh, how is it Christmas that you're just flew? And I'm watching it right now, dude. This year is flying by. I guarantee you it's going by for you and I exactly at the same time. Time time does not discriminate, but it feels a lot faster for me than it does for you. So I think that's that's kind of the relative nature of time. Now, as it relates to, and this is going to go back to uh, kind of the decision that, uh, of like faith or whatever. So if you're, if you're like you and I, and you're a believer and you, this is where it really, this is where it goes to the macro kind of, kind of zooming way out. Like you're talking about of getting my mind around something as vast as eternity, dude. Okay. I find myself sitting and trying to comprehend eternity and something never ending, especially for me, again, the believer, um, whether whatever hell is, whether it is eternal damnation to a fiery pit or it's just a black chasm of nothingness, either way, the thought of it never ending, here's as close as I can get. This is just my personal description. When I do try to get my mind around it, I get this scary tingling, almost like I'm falling feeling in my stomach and then it goes away immediately. I can only hold the thought of eternity or infinity for a brief period of time. And now the older I get, I think the more 
I can start to fathom it because I start to go, whoa, this life really is, and of course, the Bible tells us this, this life is but a vapor, right? It's like a breath, like, and that's it. It's over. And you look and you go, oh my gosh. I mean, like you, you kind of like look at your hands and go, this is not forever. No. Like you, the, the fact that you can, it, it sounds weird, <laughs> Well, but it's true. And I just came from a funeral this morning. Dude, it was a memorial service. The funeral had been prior to, but today was the memorial service. And and, I, and I'm more conscious of this, of this now when I go to funerals than ever because all of a sudden, man, you look at, like, like uh, Jim Lynn's grandfather passed away earlier this year, and I'm at the funeral. And first of all, there's two things. One, I just look at bodies as if it's an open casket. I see the body there, and I'm like... You realize just kind of like you talk about you looking at the hand. It's like this is just kind of we're just kind of meat puppets, right? It's just kind of like this meat suit that we're wearing. And it's like it's not really who we are. It's our soul, our consciousness. That's who we really are. This is just kind of like the car we're getting to go through this thing called life. And then when you go to a funeral, which I think everyone kind of is kind of slapped in the face with the uh, the finite nature of life when they go to a funeral. But for me here lately, it's really been not just the finite nature, like, wow, it could end any day. But to me, it's like all the memories, all the experiences, all the knowledge, all the things that happened. This person is nearly 80 years old. I mean, we're talking about 80% of a century old. And yet looking at it now today, it's so quick and so brief, you know, cause you can kind of almost during that funeral, you can see a person's entire life almost just like, cause now you have, now you have that wall of the present where that life has stopped. So now you have a real measure and all of a sudden you start to realize it's so small and so short. Now, and, and go ahead, go ahead. Also, I mean, at first I want to say, I agree with your very, very first statement about getting up in the morning, especially right before the gym. So I used to get up at 435 so i would try to push it as close as i could i've actually used to get up at 445 i mentioned that in the first podcast mm -hmm. jim would open up five as soon as i pop out no time gotta get dressed gotta get in the car gotta go yep now i said to myself hold on i don't like this this rush i don't like this rush i need to prepare myself so 30 minutes i've added i've good added 30 minutes now it's 415 good for you and i say to myself Okay, I can lay in bed for five minutes and then get up, and it's only 4.20, but I get out the door at 4.47. That's exactly when I get there. I get out at 4.47, I get in the parking lot at 4.53, and at 4.57, I get out of my car, and the gym opens at 5. Those few minutes feel like it is racing. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it just, it's it's going. And then when I get into the gym, don't check my phone at all. It is, it's 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 flying by. It's 6.30 before mm -hmm. I know it. And then you get to work and it's, it just slows down to a halt. Mm -hmm. now, I've, now I love my job, of course, so I, I don't, I don't really see it that way ever really. But, you know, it, it'll slow down a little bit. And then when it, you look at the funeral one, when I was at my grandparents' funerals, both of them, I, first of all, needed to step back and appreciate how many people's lives they've each touched. Mm. I've only been to these two funerals. And I just stand back and I go, I think about, you know, my grandfather coming over from Italy in the 50s and how many people's lives he helped create yeah. within one lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I can't even, you know, they don't, they don't thank you. They don't, they don't remember you for being a a construction worker or a CEO or this or that or an inventor, you're going to be remembered as a few things, a husband, a father, and a grandfather, 
and a loving person. That that's what that's what they're going to say on your tombstone. It's not going to say the job, your resume. That's right. So the fact that you know the, the life is already too short, and I and I've started to appreciate that so much. Even though I am in a really s- similar routine every day, you could still appreciate the small things every day. Mm-hmm. But the the amount of respect and appreciation I've gotten, I've I, for for just the two people who've created so many lives, nine kids, dozens of grandkids. You can only hope that you can replicate 10% of their lives because that blows my mind. I can't imagine, you know, like for example, I think I'm not, I'm not sure about the number, but in the night in 1960, I believe my grandfather and grandmother bought their house on Long Island, I think for around 25,000 to 50,000. I'm not sure about the exact number. It was very, very low. And this past year it had just sold for, I believe near $700,000. Wow. And I, I just can't imagine being able to do that and i hope one day i can contribute in some way to first of all touch that many people's lives create that many lives create such a legacy but and then have the opportunity to be able to sit here and talk about yeah. it yeah so the the just the, the the appreciation i have i i i wish more people were more appreciative and i wish that they would understand like cuz because life is way too short i sometimes will just lay in bed and think one day it's all going to be over yeah it's all going to be over, and 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 we don't we we just think oh tomorrow's given tomorrow's given. We don't live in a war torn country. We've won the lottery. We live in the best country in the world, and and just one day you have to understand that it literally is going to be over, and that's why we all um, chase after you know finding the right person, especially spend the rest of our lives with. And there's one quote from the movie Troy, and I don't have it replicated exactly, but um, he says that the gods are jealous that we are immortal because we are we know we're doomed mm-hmm. and that just mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. really got me yeah we know we're doomed that's what makes life beautiful yeah and it sounds so existential but we know it that's the that's the crazy part yeah we know that we're doomed yeah wow i think that's because if you if you don't know you're doomed and that you are in fact this life is mortal then how could you ever really appreciate it? it's kind of like Having the greatest meal on earth, but knowing that you can have it for the rest of your life until something happens, then do you oversaturate? Really- yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, I like that. I think that's that's very. And I tell you, one of the things that I think that kind of one of the things I, I completely have the same thing with the morning. You'll just gobble up two and a half hours so quickly. You're like, where did that mm-hmm. go? I mean. There are, there, are, there are mornings whenever I like get up exceptionally early just because I like I wake up and I'm like, OK, I mean, I don't really want to go to sleep. Uh, I might jack up my sleep score a little bit, but it's kind of worth it. Mm-hmm. I want to get up and get rolling. And on those days, it still goes by so fast with the, with my reading, the journaling and the things I love to do. It just goes by so fast. And one of the things that's really helped me to slow it down. And I'll, I'll ask you this. Have you done are you doing any meditating or any mindfulness? I can't say I'm doing meditating, but still keeping up with the journaling year six. Okay. Okay. So here's one of the things I would highly encourage you to do as far as just slowing things down and also kind of turning things up to what they used to say in the day, technicolor. You know, when we started going from black and white TVs to technicolor to all of a sudden, boom, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Smallville or not Smallville, Pleasantville. I don't know if you ever saw that old movie where uh, throughout the movie, it goes from black and white to colorful. I think that that's one of the things I I tell the listener to that's one of the things that mindfulness and meditation will do for you is it kind of just makes 
colors burst a little more and it slows down. It, it allows your brain to notice individual atomic things a little bit better. I know this is one of the weirdest things in the world to say. This is going to sound so woo-woo. But when I started meditating on a regular basis, Giovanni, I would actually, I noticed trees more. I just noticed trees. I was like, yeah, those are Trees are pretty freaking awesome. No, I know what you're saying. I get, I get <laughs> Just, what you're saying. I, would I get start what to, you're saying. And also, I think that what it does, <clears throat> since we, since it's so hard for us to even grasp the time-space continuum as a whole, it's just so big. It just seeps right out of our heads, right? So therefore, the only way to really shrink it is to slow down and try to be as present in the individual moment as you possibly can. I, it's, so, it's, so it's weird. It's almost kind of like a paradox to me. It's like if I can if I can bring things down to their smallest, smallest denominator, then by doing that, it allows my brain to just go much bigger and think mm-hmm. much bigger. Um, and let me ask you this. Because this okay. is kind of ties in as far as the fathomability of different things. Because I think that, you know, I talk a lot about, about goal setting and inputs versus outputs. And I teach classes mm-hmm. on it, all that good stuff. So you bring up something that I think holds a lot of people back for the very reason why you're bringing up. When you set your goals, do you make a point to set them based on what you think you can accomplish are purely based on without the with the exception of something supernatural or something just totally stupid but do you set your goals based on the things that you think you can accomplish and want to or just things to accomplish irregardless or independent of how you see your present day abilities does that question make sense it makes sense. And I, I'm going to go ahead and go with, I believe what the second option is, is more of a realistic method, mm-hmm. you know, because you do have to see yourself being able to do it, but you also have to give yourself a fighting chance to be able to accomplish the goals. So you can't, obviously you can't walk into the gym tomorrow and say, you know, I'm going to bench 315. That's yeah. not going to happen. You have to work at that. You have to get ready to do that. I'm nowhere near that. Not afraid to admit that, um, you know, working on a lot of things. And, and I think this is a good transition into my next question for you. Go for it. Um, with, with regards to, uh, I believe six months ago when we were talking about hopping on the show again, I sent you a link to a video of an old Jordan Peterson lecture, Dr. Jordan Peterson's lecture about there's no such thing as a dragon. Yeah. Um, yes, 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 yes. Very good. Very good. This is about solving problems and, you know, setting goals, solving problems. And this story is, I believe, pertains to your question. Uh, so if I can go into that and then we could talk about that if you want, because it has a lot to do with it, I think. You know what? I might be able to find it here. And let, that way we can the listeners can hear at least the audio. So, well, it's going to be like 15 minutes. So it's, it's, I can explain the short story briefly. Give it. Yep. So um, if you get a chance, look it up. It's an old Dr. Jordan Peterson lecture called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon. Um, And so basically it's about a, it's a a children's story about a a child named Billy Bixby. And he is in his room uh, and upstairs in the house. And he notices this little dragon the size of a cat next to him. And, um, Oh wait! Here's here's actually a three minute version. Let's watch it together. There's a, it's it's just, and he's yeah, got the yeah, book. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let, let's Play let's, it. let's do this. Let's. Uh... And then this little book. Can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. There's no such thing as a dragon. It's a really simple little book by Jack Kent, and it's about 
This kid who wakes up one morning and finds a dragon on his bed. It's a small dragon. And then his mother tells him that dragons don't exist. And so he ignores it. And then it grows and it grows and it grows until it fills up the house. I really like the middle part where the dragon has got so big that it takes his mother all day to clean the house because she has to lift its tail up and climb in and out of windows to get from room to room. And I've been in houses like that where, you know, where something, the existence of which people will not admit, fills the whole house so that there's nothing that can be done efficiently. For the listeners the that house. can't see the video, it's literally just a house with a giant dragon's tail coming out the front door the and his head going out the back. Dragon sort of represents the ultimate predator, that's one way of thinking about it, or represents the danger that lurks beyond what we know, or it represents the danger in the territory we refuse to explore. And in part, part way through, Mr. Bixby, who's Billy's father, the child who sees the dragon, he comes home and his house is gone, the dragons run off with it, and that actually happens to people quite often too. They come home and, you know, there's a note there saying, I'm leaving you, and, you know, all the clothes are gone. And the person says, well... Which, by the way, real quick, Giovanni, I can relate to this, and this is this is really spot on. I love this, uh, this, this analogy that... Uh, Peterson gives on this mm-hmm. deal. I once woke up and had my the girl's mom come in to me and say, how much are our monthly expenses? And, and I knew what that meant. That meant I'm out of here. And so I, I, I've lived parts of this story for sure. So I'll continue. Well, I never saw that coming. It's like, well, it's conceivable that's because you weren't paying enough attention. Yep. Anyways, at the end of the book, Billy finally convinces his parents that this dragon does exist, and so he pats it. He pays attention to it, and then it starts to shrink until it's kitten size. And so it ends with Billy saying, I don't mind dragons this size, says mother. Why does it have to grow so big? Why did it have to grow so big? And Billy says, I'm not sure, but I think it just wanted to be noticed. So I read this book. I often read it to my class. And okay, that's good. All right, so. Yeah. That. So now, so now the, the audience is heard. So continue. Yeah. So the lecture he gives with this 15 minute video that if you guys want to go look at, it's really worth taking a look at. Uh, he he'll he'll pause throughout the story and make some more analogies as well. But it really is. It, it's a great analogy. I showed my coworker Avery, who who I got to give a shout out to as well because she she's helped me a lot with my confidence and everything, especially you know going into the dating world and everything. She tells me never to sell myself short. So shout out to her. Um, but. You know, I showed her this too when I first started working there, and and it's a really good analogy. Mm-hmm. It's it's it shows that the problems will only get bigger if you don't notice it. Because throughout the story, you'll notice she keeps saying there's no such thing as dragons, right to the dragon's face. And at the very end, as he noticed, he said, "Oh, I didn't know dragons got this big." Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you just there's dragons everywhere in each of our lives. There's problems that we don't want to acknowledge, and that if they we do acknowledge them, we don't want to fix them. And then they'll eventually get so big that they wind up causing such a cascade of issues you know and 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 also it's also about what that fathomability thing as well is that we don't understand sometimes the consequences of our actions go a lot further than we realize so for example there was another trial uh that i was watching um the nathaniel Rowland trial he, he had uh, killed a girl at university of south carolina uh about a year and a half ago and during um you know the the 
he didn't understand the weight of his actions. Not only was he hurting this girl's family and the girl that he had killed, but the fam- his own family. Each family has to deal with a grieving family. Uh, and, and, some, and you're hurting so many trees of people. This affects so many people now that you don't understand these consequences. And that's, that's, that's I think, you know, a lot of things with, the, with these problems, too, is that if the problem gets so big, you just eventually keep saying to yourself, it's, it's even bigger now. I didn't stop it when it was this big. Now I'm going to stop it when it's this big. I can't. So it's just it, a lot of lessons can be learned from this story. And I wanted to get your take on it. And I remember you saying, you know, how you had been you know, married before. And you had these issues as well. And, and I just always think it's an interesting take to get from you as well. Someone who wound up finding the love of his life who thought you would never. Because I thought that story was so interesting. How you said, oh, I'm never going to get married again. It's never going to happen. Yeah. I'll, I'll find. I'll go on this date. I'll go on this date. That's what I always say too is I'll, I'll go on that date. You never know. It could be your wife. You yeah. never know. And it wound up being your wife. So that's just it's, it's an amazing story. So it's an important exercise, and, and what this book is based on, I guarantee you, without knowing all the details of it, uh, is based on the work of Carl Jung, who was the uh, clinical psychologist that a lot of Jordan Peterson's work, as it relates to finding yourself, and is is based on. And so Carl Jung conceived of this notion of shadow work, and he, he basically put forth the premise that each and every one of us has a shadow self. It's this, it's this, it's the dragon that's in the shadow. It's all, and all of us have one of that's either jealousy, insecurity. Uh, we think we're not good enough. Some bitterness, someone's pissed us off and we've never gotten over it. And what we do is we don't show, like, I don't, I don't come up to you and go, Hey, Giovanni, I'm Jason. And by the way, I'm really pissed at my father. I'm very insecure. I need you to like me because I feel like I'm less than. Instead, what we do is we mask these insecurities with the self that everybody sees that we show the world. And by doing what Jung call, called shadow work, and I just wrote the notes uh, So for the listener, I'm going to actually put a worksheet uh, in the show notes where you can go and do some shadow work. And it's very beneficial because what you have to do and what I think what this book is trying to illustrate and what it does illustrate is you got two choices. If you can go and look at the dragon and deal with the dragon, then you can either one leverage the dragon to your benefit. You can, first of all, you have to, before you can ever improve upon anything, you first have to admit that you have something to improve upon instead of pretending that you don't, you know, it's like, it's like shoving the basketball to the bottom of the swimming pool. You can hold it down for so long, but eventually that, that basketball is going to come shooting up now until you deal with it. And so I think that if we can all just take a look at our lives and figure out what are these dragons. And here's another thing. This is why journaling is so important. This is why for the, for the listener out there that if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, which is just the clinical fancy adult word for fear, that's all it is. Anxiety is fear. It's, it's just, it's a manifestation of something you are afraid of. Fear of loss, fear of uh, something that you may or may not do, something that may happen. Anxiety is nothing but fear. But writing these things down, admitting them and and writing it out will do a couple of things. One, it will, first of all, minimize it. Because all of a sudden, if you take, think about this. With regard to the dragon, if you're able to go look at the dragon in in the eye and invite the dragon in and sit down with it and go, okay, why are you here? You're a dragon. And if you work with it long enough, like I've got cotton, my little dog sitting over here on the, on the, on the couch here in my office, then all of a sudden the dragon might go, well, I'm really 
not a dragon. I, in fact, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a thing at all. I'm just a memory of a part of your life that you, you made me the dragon. I was just something. I think, I, I think you watched the lecture. Yeah. I think you watched yeah. the lecture because you're sounding the same thing. He talks about that with fear and yep. slaying it yep. and suffering and, and getting through it. Yeah. That's how you do it. You get through it. And that's how he mentions like with PTSD and talking about dreams. He's like, yep. people won't, you know, for example, you can't conquer a fear that's not there anymore. So they yep. eternally will never face it until they actually face it and that's then right. they'll get over it. That's right. And and he, you, I feel like he watched it. I feel yeah. like he watched it already. Yeah, no, I, it's, um, well, here's the deal. I've had to do this because I've carried around a lot of, you know, crap in my life that finally, and, and I've, and I've done, and I'm not, I certainly haven't perfected it, Giovanni by any means, mm -hmm. but you mentioned like what, why my relationship. And I actually did a podcast on this that I had, this just a, an individual episode that I haven't released yet of why, how to make a second marriage work. And let me tell you something. If, if, if there's a listener out there that is either divorced or, and you're, you're thinking like what Giovanni said, I was that guy that said, I will never marry again, ever, ever, ever. I just, I didn't see the point. I was like, there's no way. First of all, I thought I was damaged goods. No one's going to have this divorcee with two almost adult, adult daughters. And yeah, it's just, you know, and then I ended up finding this, this, I can't call Jimlin the girl of my dreams because I never would have dreamt that big goes back to the whole, <laughs> the whole fathomability. Nice. I couldn't have, I could not, my, my brain, I couldn't fathom someone like Jimlin, especially when I put myself in the picture. I just couldn't do that. But in order to make a second marriage work, you damn well better do some shadow work. You damn well better. And you should do this before you ever get married. By all, that's the real, that's the real genius. Those of you who are willing to sit down and not go, not, not ask yourself, okay, does this person meet all of my requirements? You damn well better look at yourself very hard and find out what kind of dragons you're bringing into the marriage so that you can ask yourself, okay, if I have these standards for a potential spouse, Am I someone worthy of that person? And I've got to get rid of all this crap I'm bringing in. Otherwise, this dragon that, that haunts me, it will, in fact, haunt my prospective partner. You just, it's just, yeah, he, he, he mentions that too uh, in, a, in other series too and messages. He says, it's so selfish to say, is there someone out there for me? <laughs> yeah. I, used to, I used to say that. Is, right. it, is there someone out there for me? What a selfish point of view you think that just by yourself not doing anything that you're good yeah that someone needs to yeah. just stumble upon yeah. you and that you're good they're going to settle for you right. no, no 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 you need to ask yourself how do i make myself the most ideal partner that's it how do i make myself the best person that someone would want to marry how do i make myself the person i want to find that's it so get in shape get get further your career you know get more educated just do everything you can to be the best partner have all these green flags ready to go and be self-aware that you're not going to be perfect, but that you can find someone that, you, as long as you're desirable, if you can find ways to make yourself desirable, you'll have no problem doing that. And so it's just, like I said, it's, it's a selfish way of looking at it. Oh, is there someone out there for me? I hope so. Well, well stop hoping, make the changes. And the, and the problem is, like a lot of the, the, the girls, especially girls my age, my, not my age, my daughter's age, they have been convinced their entire life that the onus rests entirely on a man 
accepting them for who they are. They're a 10, even if they're a two, that to, to expect them to ever be a princess is completely chauvinistic, small-minded, 1955-ish. And I've told my daughters, I've told them two things. One, I tell them two words. I think I mentioned this to you. I, I think I, I gave you the same advice in Houston and then on the show when we first talked mm-hmm. about this. Two words, don't settle. Do not settle. Mm-hmm. But you have to earn the right to be able to make that freaking demand. You have to earn the right to say, I'm sorry, sweetheart, but I'm not settling. You don't meet my standards and I, and I have standards first and foremost for myself that I have created. I'm worthy of someone who does meet my standards because I'm working on, I know what I am and I am not worthy of. And I think that's where a lot of these girls today that, cause right now with girls, you look at all the data, they are, they have more sexual freedom, more independence. They're making more money. They're more educated that, you know, all things being equal to a man and a woman, they go to apply for the same job, same credentials. The woman will make more money. So they've gotten every, the, the feminist movement has gotten every single thing it ever wanted. And yet every statistic shows women by and large are more depressed, anxious, and miserable than they've ever been. Well, why? Well, it's because they've been fed some truth, which is, yeah, go out there and chase your dreams. You, 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 thanks to tampons, thanks to automation in the kitchen, thanks to you not having to be so tied to and so much of your time taken from you to do the things you really would like to pursue outside. Those things, you can do way more. But at the same time, they've been told that, and by the way, to hell with what a man wants. You do you, girl. You go, girl. And, and then I'd say the same thing. If I had a son, I've said this too. say, hey, dude, if you want a princess, if you want this woman that is going to love you, cherish you, adore you, want to be a partner that stands beside you, behind you, in front of you when you need her there, if you want that, then you, if you are a princess, you better, by God, make yourself a prince. And you better figure, and, and a prince slays dragons, right? And so you better go slay your own dragons before you ever get out there. Because if you don't do it, you, my friend, even if it's my son, I'm not going to tell him it's my son because he's got my DNA. Hey, buddy, don't settle. You're worth more than that. I'm going to say, no, you better make yourself worthy. I'm going to try my best to give you the tools and the instruction and the guidance to be that man that is worthy of the girl of your dreams. But you have to start by making yourself worthy of this other person. And I think that, first of all, I don't know. I don't think men are being even, I don't think anybody's paying much attention to the men. I think it's all, it all falls on girl. You go get what you want. I don't see anybody really telling these guys to take care of themselves, to be worthy of a good girl or to not settle. I think the guys just kind of get shoved aside and, but girls I think have been sold a bill of goods that, you know, you just, you basically, you just go look for it. Just what we said. It's, we, they flip it completely they say go find who will make you happy what you want and by the way they're supposed to accept everything i remember i had a and this was just kind of a a, i was in college at the time and i heard this older woman who was this big fat frumpy chick she didn't wear makeup she was actually from long island by the way um she didn't and she married and she married a first and she married a first generation italian that's that's kind of weird Uh, and he he was an amazing amazing dude but this woman had 
he, he and he was like the the American success story, dude. First generation Italian, wildly successful in, in medicine, worked his ass off, and lived in Smithtown, Long Island. You know. It, it ain't cheap to like live in Smithtown. Like two minutes from where I was yeah. born. So you know, it ain't cheap to live in Smithtown out there on the North Shore. And this woman, and this man had put up with a lot of crap. She'd been an alcoholic. She wore no makeup. She was fat. Her hair was gross. She was just, if you saw her objectively, she was about the most unattractive woman you could possibly imagine. And she's sitting there telling this other woman how, you know, I just told Joe, you have to accept me the way I am. And he does. He just does. He accepts me for who I, who I am. And I remember as a, about a 18, 19 year old college kid listening to these two women visit and, t- and I heard this, I thought, so you're telling me that you don't love this guy, this man that has provided this amazing life for you and just allows you to and, and cool on him for being like, I accept you no matter what you look like. That's great. But that doesn't make you then want to go because he accepts me for exactly who I am. I'm going to make myself as presentable, as beautiful, as, as caring, as giving as I possibly can. She's just like, no, I'm just going to take, 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 take. And he was, he was a saint. He put up with it. Um, but I just think that's just a tragic way to live it. You, you should start. I think you should always start this cycle of who can outdo the other caring for the other's needs. And instead of this, mm-hmm. there, there, there's just no room for self-protection in a healthy marriage. It needs to be a, a us protection. How do we best protect this, this relationship? And so that's. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. That's uh, the, uh, you ever see, I don't know if you ever see Kevin Samuels speak, uh, mm-hmm. rest in peace. He, he's passed away. Now. Oh yeah. 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 He, he always mentioned to me, to me, he always mentioned uh, when I was watching him that if you ever notice guys will always, uh, men will always underrate themselves Absolutely. while women will always overrate, overrate themselves. And I think we're very, I think, I think we're very humble because I will never say that I'm probably more than a six and seven is a number he will always say you can't use because everyone will say they're a seven. I'm not a five and I'm not a 10, but you know what? I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm pretty average. So you have to say to yourself, okay, what do you bring to the table? And he, he also says, you guys can't be saying you're eights because eight Mm -hmm. is Beyonce. He'll give Beyonce an eight. He always says, and if you're not getting calls for modeling, if you're not an actress, if you're not getting called to be on covers of magazines, you're obviously not a nine or a 10. Mm -hmm. So you're not a seven. You can't use seven. So you're on the other side of that. Okay. How do you become a, are you a six? You know, it's, these questions have to be answered because you are in the sexual marketplace and we have to understand that as much as we don't like it, it is uneven. It is uneven. Yep. We men, men, as he says, men control marriage and women control access to sex. That's just how it works. That's yep. how this has always worked. And you have to understand, you are there is competition out there. Eighty percent of the women go after about ten to twenty percent of the men. So you have to see, and a lot. And he's, he tells you it's very surprising as many men who are not having. Um, or not having the 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 amount of act, sexual activity that they believe they, they a lot of people think that men are there's around 40 to 50 percent of men who haven't had it in over a year yep so it's very uneven and as much as they you know as much as each side wants to talk about how oh no it needs to be even equality it's not even no it's never gonna be even well it's so. why the it's why the girl who's a five can have sex with a hundred guys the guy that's a five might not have sex with one and mm-hmm. it's you know, a, a man is born into this world nothing as no, unless he's born into extreme wealth something like that that he didn't earn 
and that happens, you know, John F. Kennedy Jr. was never going to have trouble getting a chick. Okay. But let's just say two average guys like you and I, we have to go have some objective success. We have to create, we have to create our value. We are born inherently unvaluable in the marketplace. We're like a star. No one's going to save us. No one's, no one's going to save, save us. And we're like, a, and we're dispensable. And that's okay. It, it should be. We're dispensable. We're, we're, we're the ones that go off to war. We're the ones that like, it, the, the, the reason why on the Titanic. See how realistic we are? Uh, exactly. See how realistic we are? Yeah. We accept it. <laughs> we accept it. We're I mean, we're going to accept it. And, and the fact is, okay, for the human race to survive, they're, they're on the Titanic, women and children first. Why? The men are dispensable. Uh, one man can go impregnate five women simultaneously. One woman can go through one gestation period every nine months. So who's more important for the procreation and the population of the human species? The woman. The woman is more important. That, it, it's just a fact for the survival of mankind. And so, and, and as it relates, so just right there, they've got more value, a value just based on biology. Secondly, going back to in the, in the market, a man, and this is why, because my daughter asked me this question, my younger daughter, we were having this conversation and she said, well, one of the, the, the age old question, it was a great question. She said, here's the thing that still sucks. She said, if a girl has sex with a lot of guys, she's a slut or a hoe. Yet a guy can go out and slay a bunch of chicks and he's considered a player. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a baller. And I said, well, let's, I said, that's a great question. And first of all, I'm not saying it's fair. And first of all, I think a guy, no matter how much success he's had, no matter how much market value he has, is he, if he goes out and slays a bunch of tail, I think he's a douchebag. Plain and simple. I think he's a douche. I think guys that go out and are man whores are douches. So listener, I'm just telling you right now, I'm not saying I place personal value on it, but I'm not in the market. The reason why it's looked at this way is because of this. Women, the, the men, again, this is, an, this is based on ancestry, right? right? This is going back to our, our days out on roaming the Serengeti. Women are most desirable when they are young and beautiful. And a lot of them, they don't have to accomplish a damn thing. They are born beautiful. And if around 18 to, 18 to 30, 18 to 30, that's, that's, I mean, if you're a girl, if you're a girl that is 18 to 30 and you're beautiful, you are going to get a dude. You can get, you're, you're going to, if a guy even if he's if he's between 18 and 30 and he's good looking but he doesn't have a future he doesn't have a job not it's not enough, not enough. it's not and and, no. and and then there's I told her this too I said and here's the also here's also the reason unless this guy's just some fat disgusting trust fund baby that's paying for all the chicks that he's with let's just say he's a normal guy let's say he's about a 5 not even that good looking he's rocking the dad bod but he's also a CEO of a tech company and he's had a lot of women. The reason he gets the, the reason why is because he's earned. There's something that objectively that he has achieved out there in the market. He is a smart, he's an earner. Whereas, and that's why these, and, and, and so that guy, if you wonder, okay, if you're, if you're the girl that's kind of a five or a six and you're getting pissed off because no guys are asking you out and none of them want to marry you. Well, then, okay, if you're fat, 
and you're not pretty and you're not trying to make yourself attractive, then what are you bringing to the table? Because the guy, even at an average dude, he can just go pay for sex. If all you're bringing is sex, well, he can get that and he can also go, hey, I'm the tech CEO. I don't have to, I have no, if all you're bringing is girl power and a, and a five to this relationship, I'm out. Why would I do that? You know, remember, yeah, that, 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 it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. So the best the independence thing doesn't work. No, it's like we got to realize that. And that's one of the things I wish that um, a lot more people understood. And it took me a while. I got a you know, full confession. I thought I'm, I'm going to be happier all by myself for the rest of my life. But let me tell you something. I am an infinitely better man with Jimlin than I am without. And here's another thing I want to say as a compliment to my wife. Yes, my wife is gorgeous. I think she's beautiful. I think she's, I mean, she's, she, she takes very good care of herself. She's beautiful. But that's not why I think she's a 10. I think she's a 10. And granted, I know Kevin nor, nor Pearl would agree with this, nor what's the guy's name that hosts the, the whatever podcast. I can't, I'm drawing, uh, drawing a blank on his name. But um, they, <laughs> no, they, I know what you mean. They would say there's mean. no way she's a 10 or she'd be on the cover of a magazine. But in my, what I said is my standard. She loves the Lord. She works her ass off. She's completely independent in the sense that she doesn't need me. She wants me. She was doing just fine before I ever came along. She supports me, my dreams, my ambitions. She's my biggest cheerleader. All this, holistically speaking, and she's beautiful, all this makes her a 10 Adds to up me. to a 10. Yeah. And so, therefore, I have to make myself worthy of that. That's what I feel like. I'm like, well, I've got to be a good provider. Uh, I've got to, to love her, nurture her, respect her. Um, I want to be her. I am her biggest cheerleader. You've seen it. That's why I make a complete clown of myself for the sake of hot tots. It's like whatever I can do to, to support her her dreams and her. And for those who don't know, hot tots is, is the retail business that my wife, her, that her tiny little badass has built into what it is. I support her in that. And so, yeah, man, a lot there. You just open, you get, you put me on a soapbox, but I do think more people need to start understanding going back to the dragons. You've got to go slay your dragons, be the prince as, as it relates to dudes, be the prince that will slay your dragons or at least tame your dragon so that you can go into and be uh, the prince to the princess that you so desire. And, and I got something that's kind of along that lines, too, is, you know, and being that the man of high value is also, as he mentions, too, it sounds like we're just quoting him all day, but it, Jordan Peterson, but he says you have to be capable of being cruel. Now, the key word is being capable, capable. You're not not meant to be cruel it's or that dangerous. He, to, like he says dangerous, dangerous a lot. Yeah, dangerous. You're, you're capable of being dangerous. And the point of being dangerous is that you're able to control it yourself. You're able to hold back being able to pro to cause harm when it's needed. So, for example, self-defense. You're not going to just go around and start killing people. Obviously, that's called being a serial killer, and that's yep. criminal, it's illegal, it's immoral. But if you have to spring into action and defend your family, you have to be able to be capable of being dangerous and to defend your family. So it's that ability to control it. You should be a monster, as he says. And you think about that all the time. It's like when you're single and there's no one – you're not, you don't have anybody at your door. You're, you're, I'm by myself. Got a lot of time to think. A lot of time to think, you know what? It's a good thing, but it could be a bad thing too because it could be an echo chamber. I could be consistently feeding myself my thoughts, positively reinforcing myself, saying I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, not inviting any outside perspective. Yep. And then you're just, you go out into the world thinking you're right, you're entitled, you should be provided for, you should be accommodated for. 
and then you become weak. And what do weak men create? Hard times. And so that's what it's true that the old saying, and it's just, it, it all adds up. And, and, and I think that's why it sounds cliche, but you know, I may not be the biggest guy. I'm, I'm still noticing very small gains, at least fitness wise. And I may be obsessive talking about it. It is the best part of my day, I believe. Um, but it's the one time a day where I believe uh, Joe Rogan had said it's the gym is the most fair place in the world. Mm-hmm. It's the most fair. It's not fair. It's most fair. Yep. People taking steroids. There's people cheating. There's people doing everything. But it's the most fair. You can't cheat gravity. That's you right. can't cheat that body. You got to put in a ton of work. And I think it just it, – it, I sit there and I, and I say every morning, okay, I don't play any sports. I don't, I don't get paid millions of dollars to do anything. I have to be ready for my future spouse and children. I have to be ready to protect them. I have to be in good shape. I don't want to be out of breath going up a staircase at 40. I don't want to be running around work tired and exhausted having to pop eight eight cups of coffee a day. I don't want that to be me. I don't want to be being taken care of by my children nonstop when I'm 80. If I hopefully God allows me to get there. But what I'm saying is that it just it all adds up. That place is just it's it's able to allow me to transform and, and hopefully become a better person in, in all aspects of life. And it humbles you too, yeah. because it shows, Hey man, you can't, you can't lift that. Relax. Take it easy. Go yeah. work for it. Yeah. Can't cheat. Right. Can't cheat. Well, and I, I've got, I've got to bring something up because I know that Jordan Peterson, he sets a lot of the interviewers hair on fire, especially <laughs> the female interviewers. Whenever he says this thing that why you, a man should be dangerous, you should absolutely be dangerous because if you're, if you're weak, then there's no decision to be made. You're, it's not that you're not dangerous. It's just that you're That's weak. That's more dangerous. Right. There's no, there's no morality in being weak and not entering the fight. You're just scared. And there's no, there's no virtue in just being fearful and weak. And since we brought it up at the very first of this uh, conversation, talking about uh, Christianity and faith. So a lot of people get this idea of turning the other cheek as a Christian completely misconstrued and you know because we say well turn the other cheek that's like well, does that mean you're a doormat you just you just accept everything no the greatest example ever shown and, and, and for the listener here that's not a believer it's okay i'm not trying to proselyze you but just listen here's the story of jesus christ on the cross that maybe you haven't heard so check it out it's pretty cool jesus christ showed the ultimate being dangerous without exercising that danger to the Romans when he was on the cross. He's nailed to the cross. He's choking on his own tongue. He's sweating. He's thirsty. He has been, he's been mocked. He's been spat upon. He's endured the cat of nine tails. If you don't know what a cat of nine tails is, look it up. It's a leather strip that has little shards of glass in it that he was beat across his back. Okay, and they pulled chunks of skin off his back. And then after all that, then he's crucified. He could have at any time. He was so dangerous. He had the power of the, the, the maker of the universe. He had all that. He's the most dangerous of all men ever created because he's literally God incarnate. He's literally the spirit of God in a man's body. So this dude is the warrior of all warriors. Take the greatest you can think of. Alexander the Great, uh, Genghis Khan, uh, Maximus, so Maximus Meridius Decimus from Gladiator. Take them all. None of them hold a candle to this guy and yet he sits and what does he do? He says, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, that is turning the other cheek to know you've got 
all the power of the universe at your fingertips and you hold it back. Now, bringing that down to a, a more mortal Jason and Giovanni way is like, I'm, I want to be dangerous because then I have something to hold back. And then by holding back my danger, then I can build virtue. I'm the warrior that chooses not to fight, especially whenever I'm confronted with someone weaker than me. I know I can overpower, but I choose not to. So now I start to create virtue within me. And that is what turning the other cheek means having the power to annihilate someone, to completely reduce them to dust and deciding, no, I'm bigger than this. That is is ultimate restraint that is ultimate power to have the power to harm and choose not to not to be run over not to just be weak not to just let people take advantage of you but to instead have the mentality of i could absolutely crush you to dust but i'm choosing not to that i'm so dangerous and that's in this and this is what goes throughout all of martial arts, right? I mean, the, the true martial artist, that's, they do, you, you will never find, to my knowledge, Taekwondo, Taekwondo karate, jiu-jitsu, kung fu. There's none of those arts start with, okay, I'm going to teach you how to make yourself a lethal weapon. Then the first thing you need to do is go out and destroy someone. That's not the case. Exactly. Instead, all about defense and it's controlling all about, and harnessing exactly, that Exactly. It's about carrying yourself, knowing that you are literally a walking weapon. But if, and, and, and I guess it was, um, it wasn't Joe Rogan. No, it was, it was Jocko Willing. Jocko Willing, he said, if you are faced with someone about to assault you or something like that. And, you know, he's a, he's a jujitsu black belt. And he said, the first thing you should do, if the only way you could survive would be to possibly kill this person, the first thing you should do is run. Just run. That's what the martial artist says. It's like, I've got the power to kill you. And if that's the case, if that's the only thing this is going to end in, then you have to, you're, you're someone that you're, you're powerful enough that you go, and I don't want to kill. I don't want to take the life of another. I'm dangerous. I know I'm dangerous. So therefore I better run. So I think you, that I'm just, you, you ever see, um, you ever see the movie never back down? I don't think who's in that. Good. Good one. It's <laughs> the only famous person I think I can name right off the bat is, is Amber Heard, but she okay. plays a smaller part. It's an MMA movie, but basically, go watch it. 2007, classic okay. movie. Okay. Uh, great music, too. But uh, the, the trainer of the boxing gym, will he says there's one rule. No fighting outside the gym. I like and that. obviously, everyone in there is lethal. Everyone in there can kick ass. Mm -hmm. But he knows that. He knows that exactly. So you need to be able to harness that energy. And you need to be able to keep it here. Yeah. And then when the time comes, if you need to, you use it. But no fighting outside the gym and that's that's what he teaches but uh that's 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 a good point there is, is you have to be able to be able to be responsible enough to harness it and understand have that self-awareness that you shouldn't you're not going to be on the attack right you're on the defense and only necessary to be on the attack when you need to be yeah um so uh, those are the three big ones i had for you all those questions i had so uh, dude we cut we got kind of deep that was me yeah you can you can get real deep with me i know i i i get I get too deep existentially. Like I said, I'll just sit there and think is there one day it's going to be over. And then the next morning I go to the gym, like the next day, like it's nothing, go to the work, go to work and everything. So, <laughs> well, I, I, I do want to, I want to circle back to one, one thing about the goal setting and 
thinking about goals that you can achieve and not, but not limiting yourself to what you can fathom yourself actually doing. So here's the thing that I would ask you. Okay. Okay. What is a goal that you would like to set, but you don't allow yourself to set because you think it, it is unrealistic and it would only be, it would only be setting yourself up for failure. Do you have a goal that could be something like that? other than the one that you say, like going in and it's a physical feat. I'm talking about achievement related as opposed to like an actual physical that you're like, like me, I can't, why would I ever set the goal to go become at this age, an NFL football player? That's not going to happen. So I wouldn't, but I don't want to be one either. So what's something that you could actually say, I want to do it, but it probably would never happen. Do you, do you have anything in mind like that? Oh, man. I mean, I, I personally think, you know, at least in the line of work, you know, being government employee, I don't, I don't expect to ever, you know, be a billionaire, be a millionaire. And that's not going to make me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the money's not going to make me happy. I've lived on much less, especially what, what I have now. Sure. Uh, I, live, I live on much less. I don't need that. I don't need material things. Um, so, so I know that, oh, one day I want to make a million dollars a year. I, I'm not a businessman. I know it's not going to happen. It's 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 not realistic in terms of what I think I can do with the abilities that I have, uh, at least the intelligence that I have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I I I think it's dangerous for me to set some goals like that because then you could discourage yourself. Okay. So for example, and then I'll bring I'll go back to physical goals. I know you didn't say that. So you know you go on social media, you start scrolling, all you're seeing are these perfect physiques. Right. That's all you see nonstop. And, and they also don't tell you what they're taking right. and what they're doing to themselves to achieve this, the suffering they're going through with diets and pills and steroids and trend and SARMs, you name it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to discourage yourself. It's already bad enough. You get body dysmorphia enough yeah. by looking at yourself in the mirror going, oh my God, I'm, I'm so small. Sure. So you don't want to do that to yourself. And that's what's dangerous is that you can easily set unattainable goals and, and just ruin your outlook on, instead of saying, like I tell people for the gym, it, it's not the, the, the fitness in general, going for a run, going for a walk, eating healthy. The goal should not be, I wanna be shredded. I wanna look good. It should be to be healthy enough to have an attain, a, a sustainable lifestyle to keep you healthy for the long run. Cause you have to say to yourself, okay, go lift for three years. I haven't even been lifting on this journey for three years. When I saw you, I had been only doing it for five, six months on the regular. Still doing it now 18 months. Mm-hmm. What do I know like in five years, 10 years? If I just keep the consistency, real nice and slow progress, that's when you're going to see the big things. But it's going to take a while. And this is where this delayed gratification and sacrifice come mm-hmm. into place. Mm-hmm. Once you understand that it's not coming overnight, right? it's not. Right. So good luck. Just like getting a high-paying job, good luck. It's not coming. Last year, I believe I'm on, um, when I saw you, I'd only been on about five or six interviews at that time. I went on 20 interviews last year. Wow. And I got a few offers. And then, of course, the one job I get, uh, the, uh, the one job I take, I didn't even apply for. So um, you just have to, you just have to, you just, you can't put yourself down with unattainable goals. You know, of course, like, for example, I want a family. Okay. How does that start? What's your first goal? What should it be? Go on a date. That's what your first goal should be. It should not be to set this high standard. I want a family. A lot of things got to go right before you can get that right. As we talked about, you got to improve yourself first. So that's just a, an aspect of it. But it's just the fact that you can't you can't put yourself in a hole by setting yourself up too high. Because mm-hmm. then you're setting yourself up for failure. So, all right. So I don't disagree with any of that, but I do want to push back a little bit. Okay. So 
say, let's say if you put down, like if you were to come to me and we were going through a goal setting workshop, which I hold for, for people. And I've actually, it's a, a part of, it's part of massively transformative habits, shameless plug for my app, the Vitruvian lab and what my flagship course. All right. So if we were going through that and you put down, I want to make a million bucks a year. Okay. And the first thing I would say is, okay. And you told me like, look, I don't think I'll ever do this. I don't think, cause I'm not a business guy. I'm never going to make a million bucks a year. The first thing I would say is this was, okay, why a million? What does the million represent to you? So I would ask you, is the million just a gauge of, well, if I'm making a million bucks a year, that means I'm successful. So that's my pride, my ego. Okay. There's other places you can do to, there's other things you can do to feel proud of yourself and that are truly objectionable, good uh, achievements that would mm-hmm. that don't require you to make a million dollars a year. So what does the million bucks actually represent to you? And I'm asking you now, what, what would that million bucks a year represent to you? I think it's a common number that everybody gravitates towards because it's the first six figure. It's the first, sorry, seven figure digit, uh, you know, seven digit figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's the magic number everybody shoots for. But I, I, I personally don't know. I mean, I, I, I would think 200,000. I mean, I think 100,000 is a lot of money. So, you know, at least especially where I've come from over the last five years, you know, working from minimum wage all the way up to now. Uh, but I, I can't, I can't even put a, that's a good question. Cause I, I can't honestly really answer that. It just sounds like a big number everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, a, that's a good point that you bring up. So here's how going to what, uh, the way we first started on the questions with fathom ability. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I always ask people when they say I could never do that, I go, how do you know? How do you know? Have you ever, have you ever done this thing before? No. Then how do you know you can't? Okay. So that's one of the things I do like, and, and, and it's really hard to simulate in our brain, the limits of our abilities. It's just, it's, in fact, it's impossible. I'm going to make the argument. It's impossible to know what we can achieve until we're actually pushed either by putting ourselves in an incredibly difficult situation, being the mom that lifts the car off the baby. Unless life throws you something that forces you into pushing you to the ultimate edge of yourself, you can never know. But if all we have is a simulation, then this is what I, I do. I, I take people through and I, I like to use the analogy of the guys that founded Airbnb. And I was just talking to someone about this yesterday, as a matter of fact. So and I, I wish I could call their name. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the two founders of Airbnb. But whenever they were first starting out, they wanted to try to understand what the ultimate customer service they could possibly offer was. And so what they did was, okay, no holds barred. If we wanted a guest, a one of the one of the micro renters, the short-term renters, to have the ultimate experience through Airbnb, what would it look like? And it was something crazy like they would be flown on a private jet to the location or to the city where the Airbnb was. You too would be waiting for them to, to do a private concert and welcome them. They would be limoed to their unit and it's just all these ridiculous things and so they go okay okay well we know the private jet that's not going to happen we know u2 is not going to be there but by starting that big and working back they were able to develop the idea of we could have someone take the pictures of the units for our 
property owners and make it very or make it very easy for them to post pictures of their unit and have them look beautiful so that our our prospective short-term renters would have an easy way to look at the unit. So but it started by going way way big and working back. Another another way that I do this to try to overcome the limits of our mind is I'll go into a room and I'm speaking to people and one of the first questions I'll ask if it's a goal setting or something like that, trying to get them to think bigger. And by the way, the reason why I started really diving into this stuff is because it's one of the self-limiting beliefs or something I've struggled with throughout my entire life. I mean, very, I, grew, I grew up in a very practical, non-goal setting live in reality. Don't dream too big. You're only setting yourself up for failure. That's so I had to overcome a lot of that very fixed mindset versus growth mindset. But what I'll do is I'll walk into a room and I say, and I'll say, okay, I come to you tomorrow and I say, you have got to get to the moon by next week. And if so, I'll give you a million dollars. What do you do? And most people go, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't, you know, or I'll say, can you do it? No, I, I couldn't do that. And I, and I go, okay, let's change up the scenario a little bit. Let's say I tell you, I have your child or your spouse or your mom or your dad. I've held them hostage. <laughs> and either you get to the moon or I kill them. What You'll do you find do? a way to the moon. Exactly. Yeah, and, I go, and, I, and, and here's the thing. And I'll ask you, and I'll ask you the same question that I ask everybody in these classes, Giovanni. If that were the scenario... And I were to say to you, you got to get to the moon. What's the first thing you do? What would, and I'm forcing you. You've told me, no, you can't do it. But what, if I, what if I don't? But I'm saying you got to. What, what would you do? And I'm asking you right now, what would you do in that scenario? I get started. How? What, 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 <laughs> Somewhere. How, 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 where, where, <laughs> but, but let's drill down. Where would that start be? I'm, I'm making some calls. Where, who are you calling? Where should I I'm someone who knows how to get to the moon, maybe NASA. There you go. I mean, there you go. We start somewhere. Look at that. You've already started a freaking trip to the moon. And what you didn't realize is that you did know you, you knew some, you had a first step to take. You, 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 we're talking about going to the freaking moon and most people, most average human beings, normal human beings like us go, yeah, Jason, it's not going to happen. Well, Okay. So what if you had to, and then, then you can back off and go, okay, so here's the deal. You're never going to have to go to the moon, but even if you had to, even though you never will have to, you at least know you've got an idea of a first step to take. And that's what it boils down to is you've got to be able to think big enough and then remind yourself that even if it's stupid big, if it's crazy, if it's re- just ridiculous, I could at least think of the first step. And so what thinking exponentially does is it, br- it starts to, ex- it lubes up your mind to start thinking about making that first call to NASA. And, and, and I, I push people into this not to get them to set themselves up for failure, because here's what you, if we went through the entire exercise, you'd probably realize 
the million dollars, it doesn't represent, it represents freedom of some kind. It represents something besides the dollar amount. You probably don't need that much. You just, you started doing it on your own. You said 200,000 a lot, $100,000 a lot. Okay, so we started a million. We get down to 100K. Now, all of a sudden, we start focusing on the inputs that lead to you making 100 grand a year that is an absolute reality and, and that you can absolutely make yourself marketable enough to make that kind of money. And then we start looking at the habits and the behaviors that it takes that you have to do on a daily basis because the last thing I'm going to ask you is what kind of a person would you have to be to achieve this goal? And then you're going to start going, well, I've got to be a person that does A, B, C, does it consistently. And if I do those inputs long enough, to your point, if I can improve 1% per day, that's a 37x, per, uh, 37x improvement year over year. All I have to do is improve 1% a day. And if I do this, if I stick with it, one day I'm going to look up, I'm going to make it at least 100K a year. And boom, it all started with this exponential, unfathomable goal that got you what you really not only wanted, but really all you really needed to achieve something massive. So that's one of the ways that I do. I try to take, because, and again, it's because I have a hard time. I'm like you. I don't, I don't need material stuff. Give me a bunch of black t-shirts, even though I'm wearing a Navy one today. Give, I've told you before, give me my little gym in my garage, my black tea, great coffee, good books, and this podcast and Jimelin. And I am, I'm happy no matter where I don't need material stuff. And so therefore the whole money thing to me, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if anybody thinks I'm poor as dirt or rich, richer than Bezos. I don't care. So the goals are different for me. It's like, what do I have to do to be able to always do this podcast, to be able to write, to be able to have the Vitruvian letter and do those things. And, but also I don't want to limit myself. I always have to keep myself in check. Am I limiting myself to those goals because they're all that I think I can achieve or because truly that's really what I want. And we always need to be, I think, evaluating that to make sure we're not selling ourselves short. And you have to also be careful about comparing yourself too, oh, because never, comparison never. is a thief of joy. It, yeah. It's a Teddy Roosevelt, baby. Thing. Well done. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I found myself still to this day. I mean, comparing myself, you know, every time I see a friend or something get married, every time I see them buying a house, every time I see, you know, somebody who's got a better physique or they make more money or you'd have a better title. That's the same age as me or even younger. And you just have to remember that, while you're also comparing up, there's people comparing up to you too. Absolutely, you play that game too. Absolutely, it's all relative. As we you you mentioned earlier, I could always say, "Damn, man, I I really wish I I was there at this point." I I, I can't even, I can't even. If you had told me five years ago where I was, I I wouldn't have believed you. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, I, but I just I can't. I, I I have to remind myself every day. Just like saying life is too short to, you, you really have to. You, you can't compare because once the minute you start comparing you are going to start getting very upset so it's 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 don't compare yourself to who someone is today but compare yourself to yourself who you were yesterday i almost butchered that but it, it's just I, I you can't you can't go outside without comparing yourself you're going to compare yourself it's going to sure. happen it could keep you up to a certain extent 
but you have to understand that it's not going to be it's not going to be a fun game. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, be grateful. I'm always grateful. I always compare myself. Hey, where look where you were a year ago. You get a memory on Instagram or or any app that you have, and you see a photo in your library. Like, wow, look what I looked like there. Look what look what I was. Uh, look at all the progress I've made since then. Look at look, I'm at a different job now. I have a different car now. I mean, it's just it's just. You you can you can do that to yourself to compare yourself so it can keep you in check, but also remember how far you've come and where you want to be, and remind yourself, hey, it's not the end of the road. But remember, clock's ticking, clock's moving a lot faster. We we talked about this earlier, but I I still marvel at the fact that how fast time's gonna fly by. I saw I saw Interstellar for the first time mm-hmm. uh, a few few about a month ago, and I just <laughs> it blew my mind how like. Can you fathom that? Another fathomability? It's a, it was made up, but it's not possible. You can't get that close to a black hole with seven years passing in one hour. Yeah, it just, <laughs> yeah. It just blows my mind. I mean, yeah. it's that's crazy. But you can you can easily regret going and comparing yourself to others, and you don't want to go down that hole. Like I said, I had six friends get married last year. I loved every wedding. It was amazing. I have about four more this year. Um, uh, shout out to uh, you know my friend Jacob who, who helped me through a lot. Jacob in the office, uh, he he works around here in Austin now, um, but he helped me throughout a lot. And we talk about that. He he told me he when we started in in our last office, he was my age now. So he was twenty five, I believe, twenty four, twenty five, and I was twenty two, uh, twenty one, twenty two. And he said, now the other day he was like, man, you are the same age when we I started when I met you about three years ago, four years ago. Just put that in perspective because when he told me, he said, when you're behind, just remember that you're actually much more ahead because I wish I was where you are at your age because I'm where you are now but four years later. And I said, you know what? I do have to remember that. And my friend Jake tells me too. He's actually, I believe Jake is about 36, 37, um, but he's a, he's very much in shape. You would think that dude's 25. Um he says to me, man, I, I wish I knew everything you that, that I'm telling you, and I wish I wish that I knew everything that I know now at your age. And that sounds like regret, but it's also self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 37 is old, especially if you're in the shape he's in. Um, you just got to – you seize the day, really, carp DM. You really got to – you got to seize the day because, yeah. like, the comparison, you it will kill you. Yeah, it if, will. If you, really, if you go – it's a cancer, and I think it's eating up a lot of people that if they really realized how wonderful this life can be. And I was that way for for years, dude. So, I mean, I used to put these arbitrary timelines on myself because I was like, I've got to exceed everybody around me no matter what so that if the comparison's made that I will be at the top. And I'm like and, – and it was funny is the things you brag about when you're younger, like when people – asked this question we love to ask this question in the west in particular is so you busy have you been busy with that it's, it's funny whenever you get to the age that you know in your heart of hearts being able to go nah i'm as busy as i want to be that that's what real success is versus oh yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really busy because i'm so I'm freaking swamped. important i'm so no important yeah instead you know okay. when people ask me now so what have you been up to and i'm like as little as i can get away with that's his, and so you start to truly, if you can, and I want that for everybody. That's one of the reasons why the whole Vitruvian project and a lot of the stuff that I do, yes, there's a monetizable component to it, but more than anything, it's like, man, I want everyone to realize their, their greatest self, right? They're the best version of themselves and to find joy 
and happiness that has nothing to do, like we talked about earlier, with material goods, but it's all about experiences in this life and soaking it up and real and feeling like the richest son of a gun that's ever lived without having to spend a penny. If you can do that, man, that's to me. Do you remember? Do you remember we talked about memory dividends? Do you remember oh, that? Absolutely. It still stuck with me. Yeah. It absolutely. stuck with me. I still I still can't get over that. Well That's, uh, that that was a great conversation. I, I lived I listened back to the podcast before today and I was like, wow, that was that was good. I well, like that concept. A lot. Let me tell you something, and we're putting it into practice. So uh, and Bill Perkins wrote wrote the book that I got that from, and I'm, I want to get him on the podcast. I think it'd be a great conversation. He was actually on Peter Atia's show not too long ago, and Peter Atia said that his book, um, what was it, "Die with Nothing," I think is what it what the title of his book is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and and Peter Atia said it's like top three books he's ever read. And my buddy James Quandall, um, he had Bill on his show, so I've got to get him on the Jason Wright show, but. Jimlin and I are practicing this like we're about to go on a long European trip and it's probably not the perfect time. It's, you know, Abby's about to graduate from college and that's going to be her, uh, her, her graduation present. And whenever we were questioning, because when you start to make that type of an investment in an experience that you can't hold, you can't see afterwards, you go, I don't care how much money you have. You're just like, whoa, is this the right thing to do? And I'm, you know, I'm like, you know what, babe, when we get back, if everything goes to hell in a handbasket, the economy continues on a bad slide, everything crashes, we have to shut down hot tots, you know, we're just, we're just in dire straits. I can't fathom we'll ever go, gosh, I wish we hadn't taken that trip to Europe with Abby and had that experience. We will have that experience to draw from for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also we could wait, we could wait till, you know, 65, I'm 65 and she's 55. And, you know, we could keep waiting and waiting and waiting, but why not enjoy it now where we can do it and whatever we spend, we've got all these years to make the money back and to do that. So it's, mm-hmm. so I'm practicing it, man. I don't want it to just be some philosophy. And again, it, just to be clear, it doesn't mean to be some sort of a, you know, just spendthrift and, you know, haphazard with money and, and living beyond your means. No, we're prepared for it. And we've done, we've made decisions to be able to do it, but instead of hoarding it, man, why why put that experience off? If we do it now, then by the time we're sixty five, we will have been, re, you know, receiving those experience dividends all that time. So, yeah, I, that, I'm glad you remembered that, and I I hope that um, and that's something I've had to get better at, dude, because I was terrible at it for the longest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's important. It's important because if you don't, then you you're not you're not really you're not really living at that point. You're just you're just oh, because there's no such thing as the perfect time no, for anything. No, there's always going to be something. I always say when something breaks or something goes wrong, uh, I remember I remember learning about this. You can always say uh, you can damn the world if you want. You can always damn the world when something goes wrong, but you have to remember that that you know cars car, cars we have to appreciate things working yeah like, for example the laptop's working the internet's good the weather's good i'm healthy i'm alive the 99 of the time everything works but when that one percent yeah. that one day your car doesn't start yeah damn this car yeah. what the hell why me we start questioning the universe yeah, but exactly. it's never going to be a perfect time to do anything and then you always say there's always something yeah it's always something whether it's if it's not the car it's the computer if it's not the computer it's my phone if it's not my phone it's my work computer it's everything well and so you know what 
Just do it. Exactly. Go do what you need to do. Do what you want to do. And 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 don't now that does, freedom doesn't mean do whatever you want. Right. People get those two things confused a lot. But uh, you know. It, it, you can't just let something stop you because, oh, it's not a good time. It's never a good time. No, it's never. never. And also, yeah, you remind me, I've tried to stop myself from saying this. I have a lot of self-talk. Some good, some bad. But like when people say, just my luck, and I'm like, and you mentioned it earlier, yeah. just your luck. You were born in the freaking United States of America. Just your your luck's pretty damn good. What are you talking about? Won the lotto. Yeah, you won the, won the you lotto. won life's lotto. I mean, you could have been born in freaking Uganda with you know, where your biggest concern every day is don't starve to death. You know, but you weren't. You were born here. So if you're at here, this time, at this, yeah. Dude. Oh, that's the thing too. I'm glad to hear you say that. Is even with all the madness in the world, and there is a lot of it, this is the most amazing time to be a human being. We've got more. You know what I like not hearing? You want to know what I like? don't like hearing is when someone says, how can I bring kids into this messed up world? I'm like, how about you have kids and then make it a better world? There you go. <laughs> like, there you go. I love have, that. The kids and I, teach them your good values. And you that's know? a good reminder because a lot of people my age are saying that, and I've probably said it myself, Giovanni. So, that is a great, because my buddy, James Quandall, he says the exact same thing. He's like, no, it's our job to have children to make the world the way we want it to be, to pass, pass along those values down, exactly. those lessons, and make sure that they can pass down those lessons to the next generation, make them make this world better. You That's think right. the world sucks? Make okay, it make it better. You think just sitting idly by with no children is just going to make the world instantly better? No, you're just going to let the other side take over. That's right. Because they're going to have kids. Stop. Right. So That's they right. want to pass their ideas down the line. So right. you need to make sure you're passing your ideas down the line too. That's right. Oh, it's too messed up. Come on. <laughs> yeah. That's not a good excuse. That's lazy. That's being lazy. Well, well, dude. Okay. This is all right. Let's, it's been an hour and a half. This was fun. These are, this is a fun deal. Giovanni, you challenged yeah. me. I love it. You challenged my brain and I love the, uh, man, I'm going to be pondering on fathomability quite a bit i know i had a, it's never gonna get out of your head now yeah That's it. it is it's, it's good stuff so. and so i appreciate you coming back on and for the listener thanks for listening to G giovanni and i riff and hey if you guys out there listening first of all follow me on insta at jason right now and dm me with questions that you would like us to tackle if there's something that if there's something that we said today that you're like you guys are smoking something you're a bunch of you're a couple of morons uh, that's cool we're, we're good with that it, that's that's fine um so but please dm us with any questions that we might tackle during our next conversation this is so fun i actually did a conversation giovanni like this yesterday with uh, jay yao and james Quandall, two buddies of mine and just kind of taking some of these topics and just just uh, just chewing on them. It's really fun to kind of expand your brain. And Or you can always reach me at jasonrightnow.com. Uh, there's a contact page there. Throw a question out, and we'll, we'll get some good subjects to kind of dive into and go from there. But, brother, thanks for coming back, man. Good to see you. I hope things are well there in the ATEX. Uh, seems like half the world's moving to Austin, so uh, God bless you. I tried to be the last one out the door. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, all right, dude. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. It means more to me than you can possibly imagine. And if you enjoyed it, please consider going out to Apple and leaving us a five-star rating. That would mean the world to me. Also, follow me on Insta at Jason right now. And don't forget... 
download the Vitruvian Lab app. I mean it. I want to be your personal peak performance trainer. I want to help you improve always and always. Lastly, check out my newsletter, the Vitruvian Letter. You can subscribe at jasonrightnow.com. And until we meet again, please continue to endeavor to improve always and always. I'm out.